Hi everybody. Hi everybody. How are you today? It's good to, we want to welcome you again to our service. You have been welcomed, but be blessed today as we fellowship together. Uh, for those who haven't been here for a while, we welcome you back. We missed you, especially the McFarlands. And, uh, and uh, we want to, uh, even others as well, may we just be blessed today. Uh, at this moment, um, before I do anything else, I want to ask Uncle Ivor to come up and anybody else who needs to be prayed for. Because we can to anoint Uncle Ivor this morning. Ivor, could you come up? We're going to pray. Anybody else who needs to be prayed for, we're going to pray with you this morning. Oops, careful, careful. Okay, we're going to pray for him. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for Uncle Ivan this morning. Thank you for his life and thank you for your blessing upon him. We pray for a special touch upon him this morning. Touch his heart, Lord. Every area of his body that needs a touch this morning, we pray that you will touch him. And Lord, from the crown of his head right through his entire being, Lord, won't you allow your healing virtues to flow through him and over him. As you, Jehovah Rapha, touch him and heal him. As you, Jehovah Rapha, Lord, take over. We commit him to you and we thank you for him, Lord. And we thank you for your touch upon him. We pray that during the service he will experience your fresh touch. He will be so aware of your hand upon his life, Lord. We commit him to you and we thank you for him. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's just this morning read together from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, we're going to, we're supposed to do all 11 verses, but we probably will do only the first eight verses of chapter 11 for today. Uh, of, or rather of chapter 5 of today. Of today. Uh, and let's, if you need some sermon notes, if you, you could maybe raise your hand and somebody could pass it on to you, anybody who needs some sermon notes, all right. But let's just read together in First Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to read the first eight verses. Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You know, what I love about the King James Version here, it speaks about times and seasons, and that's the correct word, the word seasons there. Not dates here, but, but well, seasons refers to dates as well. But let's go back to verse 2 again. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, 
And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since that's not the truth, isn't it? <laughs> but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So far may God bless the reading of his word. That word about night is when you are living in darkness. That's what it refers to. It symbolizes that. So it doesn't sound like that when you read it, but that's the meaning of it. When you're living in darkness, it's night. In Afrikaans, they said that is nach, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, so we'll, uh, we're going to focus on that here this morning. Living in the light of eternity. Are you living in the light of eternity this morning? Eh? Are you living in the light of eternity? Or are you just carrying on with your life as if eternity will never happen? I want to ask you again. Are you living in the light of eternity? Now, there we go. Thank you. Thanks, Bobs. We thank you for that <laughs> response. Uh, chapter 5 continues this discussion of Christ's second coming. But from the perspective of those who will be alive at the time of Christ's coming, of his coming. They, now, these people, they felt that the answer was to know the times and the dates of the return of the Lord. That's the Thessalonians. They believe that. No. Let's look at the times and the dates and the seasons that the Lord will come. Let's focus on that. But the Apostle Paul says to them, no, my friends, there's so much more to the parousia of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. And he challenges us and as he challenged them to do three things, and we're going to do two today, wait and watch. That's what we're going to do today. To do two things for now, for today. It is three things, but we're going to do two today. And the first one is the word wait. From verses 1 to 3, he says, you keep on waiting. Remain in that attitude of waiting. Waiting on the Lord may be one of the most difficult aspects of the Christian life. Isn't it true? Oh, it's a tough time eh? when we are waiting and I'm in the waiting room and I'm, you know, it's fine sitting in the doctor's surgery and sitting in the waiting room. I know my turn will come. Isn't it true? But we, many times we are in the waiting room of the Lord. And when we are in the waiting room of the Lord, our time will come as well. The moment will come when God steps in and intervenes. And, and, and that is the amazing thing about the Christian life. When Jesus promised that he would return, he instructed his followers to wait. That is easier said than done. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do while we wait? And verses 1, I, there, there are two Greek words. There, in particular, it speaks about the times and the seasons. And there are two Greek words that's focused on here. The first one is the word chronos. And the other one is the word kairos. So some of us, most of us would have heard the word kairos, but not so much the word chronos. But, but now in Greek, they would not say chronos. They would, the, the, the expression would be chronos. That's how they would say it. Chronos. But for, for our, you know, for, for our English purposes here, it's best to say chronos because it comes from the word chronological, right? Chronological time. That's what it refers to. Chronological time. Clock time. We know clock time. The time by which we keep daily appointments. That's chronos. Time by which we keep daily appointments. Time that can be measured. In seconds, minutes, hours, years. That's 
chronological time. It speaks about the process, and that's what we don't want. Eh? The process. How about the process? And the many processes that we deal with and have to face. Waiting is not just something we have to do while we get what we want. Waiting is the process of becoming what God wants us to be. Isn't that wonderful? Waiting is the process of becoming what God wants us to be. What God does in us, you've heard me say this before, while we wait is as important as what it is we are waiting for. And that's the most important thing, what he's doing inside of us. Waiting, biblical waiting, is not a passive waiting around for something to happen that will allow us to escape our troubles, that will allow us to ignore what we should be doing. We're just waiting. And we're not taking responsibility. Some of us wait, and then we're waiting for a reason. There are many times that we've got to wait. Sometimes we are just too, too much in a hurry, and we live in a society that is, you know, always in a hurry. But there are times we've got to wait. Apostle Paul says to these believers, wait. Don't be in a hurry. Wait. But waiting does not mean doing nothing. It is not a way to evade unpleasant realities. We actively wait by living a life that tells others that Jesus is real. We continue to live for him. We continue to remain faithful to him while we are waiting on him. We continue to impact the lives of others while we are waiting. Is that what you are doing? As you are waiting for the king of kings to step into your situation, to make his appearance in your life. What does God... What does what God does in us, let me rather rephrase it, what God does in us while we wait is as important as what it is we are waiting for. Don't you agree with that? I want to repeat that. That's why I'm saying it. Let's actively live for him. Then in Luke chapter 5, there was waiting. You know, in Luke chapter 5, 1 rather, verses 5 to 25, we read about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. I don't even remember that story, but Zechariah and Elizabeth were childless. And we read that Zechariah was a priest. He and Elizabeth are called upright people, godly people. Yet they were childless. And for Jews, the absence of children was seen as a reproach. It was not acceptable. Evidence of God's judgment on the family. How hard it must have been to keep on obeying God. Keep on remaining consistent in their faith. And still bear the sentence to a life that is unacceptable before people. But they said, we must press on. We must press on. We're not giving up. Now, Zechariah's name means God remembers. I want to say this to us. God always remembers. 
Whatever you have trusted him for, he remembers it this morning. Every prayer that went unseemingly unanswered, he remembers it. Every prayer that, uh, that we prayed and we felt he's forgotten about us, he has not forgotten about us. That's the testimony of Zechariah today. God has not forgotten you. Is that what you feel this morning? Feel rejected? He's not forgotten you. While you wait, remember that he has not forgotten you. He will keep his promise. And when I think of Zechariah, there were about 18,000 priests who regularly served at the temple, but only one could go into the holy place and burn incense for the sacrificial offering. Did you hear that? For the sacrificial offering. And Zechariah is chosen for this once in a lifetime moment. Zechariah is chosen. Waited. Trusted God. Lord, we are childless. Won't you come through? Won't you step in? And right while he is busy preparing incense on the altar, what do you think happens? A once-in-a-lifetime moment. The angel said to him, came to him, in verse 13, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Isn't that wonderful? And that's the amazing thing about the Lord. He, he always comes through for us. And what a word. A once in a lifetime moment. He had while preparing the, you know, because he was chosen among 18,000. He was the one chosen. And isn't that wonderful how God works? When we wait on him and we trust him, we, we look to him. Many of us have already had so many once in a life moments. Isn't it true? Yellows must open dark beer now. All those challenging situations. Did God just forget what he was doing? No. He was working on us. Preparing us for what he planned. I love this about waiting on the Lord. When last have you waited on him and said, Lord, I will continue to wait on you until you come through for me. I'm trusting you. Lord, these are our circumstances. This is my situation. But Lord, my eyes are on you. And because you are so faithful and trustworthy, I know I'm going to have another once-in-a-lifetime moment when I see how you work and how you move in my life. Now, there are two illustrations given here. Still, we're still with the first three verses, right? Verses 2 to 3. Two illustrations given in verses 2 and 3. The first is that of a thief in the night. And this shows the unexpected nature of Christ's return. Christ's return will be unexpected. It will be an unexpected thing. 
We will still be busy with so much and then unexpectedly he will return. But here it speaks about his return. But this also refers to the unexpected nature of the Lord's working in our lives. Everything that has been awesome in our lives has been an unexpected thing. Isn't it true? We've prayed for it, yes. But when it happens, it's amazing. We pray for it, but when it happens, it happens unexpectedly. That's where the Lord works, eh? The day of the Lord will be like that. It will come as an un, at an unexpected time. For the faithful, it will be a day of vindication. But for the disobedient and those who have rejected Christ, it will be a day of judgment. And you know, in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, it speaks about, you know, uh, you know it speaks about people that, that thought that they could, we, we cast out demons and, and all of that. But the Lord said, I do not know you. We prophesied in your name. You can read it there. But uh, the Lord would say, I do not know you. Matthew 24, verse 36 speaks about us. The Son of Man will come at an hour we least expect. Verse 4, 44 as well. Like a thief in the night. And we know what a thief does, but it's, it, although it symbolizes that we'd ever, we, uh, thieves always come unexpectedly, but it's never when we're at home. Isn't it true? <laughs> it's when we're not at home when they come. Eh? <laughs> but... In this case, yeah, it's, you know, it's the unexpected nature of Christ's return. It refers to that in a while. I can see would, would, you know, strategize and do it, do his thing unexpectedly. But the second illustration is the commencement of a mother's labor pains, yeah. Birth pains. Now, I cannot even identify with you as ladies. I'm a man. This time I'm glad I'm a man. And I'm always glad I'm a man, yeah. Birth pains often come suddenly and unexpectedly in the middle of the night. But it could be any time of the day, isn't it true, ladies? Now, modern medicine has allayed much of the anxiety that would have been typical of pregnancy in Paul's day. In that day, women often died in childbirth. I don't know if you're aware of it. In biblical times, women often died in childbirth. Mentioning birth pains would have reminded the Thessalonians of anxious, unpredictable times. Now the thing is this, although a woman would wait, and I, I even think here where scripture speaks about birth pains here, a woman expects the birth, she's expecting the birth pains, isn't it ladies? But it still comes unexpectedly. And that's, that's, this is what it is all about. It's, you cannot predict when it will come. And many times people want to predict when the Lord will come. As they have done that already. But the Lord will come. Not even the angels in heaven know about that. He will come. We cannot predict when. But we know that when he shows up, he will make a difference in our lives. The point here is that the day of the Lord will come quickly and unexpectedly. Are you still with me? The people who are saying peace and safety, they will be caught by surprise. 
peace and safety, often they're saying, hey, I'm living a safe and comfortable life. I'm having a great and awesome time. I got a lekker tijd hier op aarde. Dan skillig, skillig, suddenly. Eh? The unexpected happens. The people who are saying peace, yeah. hey, take it easy, not staying focused, not growing spiritually, not seeking after God with all their heart. Is that where you are? Not anticipating the urgency of the hour. Um, suddenly, they are caught of God because Jesus comes when we are not even thinking about it. He comes. And even now, in our day and age, he still comes when we don't think about it. Waiting reminds me that I'm not in charge. I can trust his wisdom and his timing. I can wait with confidence knowing that he will come through. And I'm, 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 I'm contrasting the two the whole time here just for us to understand this whole aspect of waiting. There's a hidden benefit in waiting. What do you think it is? Isaiah 40 verse 31, that's a hidden benefit. Eventually it says, eh? What? That the time will come when those who wait on the Lord will begin to soar like eagles. That's the hidden benefit. We will be able to soar above whatever is happening around us. Whatever we are dealing with, we will be able to soar above that. I don't know if you know the story of the, the concept of unseen growth, but uh, I want to just bri briefly share something with you about what happens in... There's a tree, in fact, in, in, Ch in China. They call it the, uh, the bamboo tree. The Chinese ba it's a Chinese bamboo tree. Uh, and uh, when, uh, whenever this tree is planted, there's a process involved. The Chinese bamboo tree is one of the most remarkable plants on earth. Once the gardener plants the seed, you will see nothing but a single shoot coming out of the bulb for five full years. Did you hear that? Five full years. During that time, while being cared for by the gardener, the exterior shoot, the outside, yeah? the exterior shoot will grow less than an inch. Whew, you hear that? Less than an inch. At the end of five years, however, the Chinese bamboo will perform an incredible feat. It will grow an amazing, now I can't, I can't even think in the way we think this morning. It will grow an amazing 90 feet tall. That's what the research that I've done. Tall in only 90 days. The answer lies in the unseen part of the tree. The underground root system spreads deep and wide in the earth, preparing to support the incredible heights the tree will eventually reach. The roots, unseen. You know, while we are waiting, roots are growing inside of us, unseen. Yes, it is evidence outwardly afterwards, but I want to say this to you, it's while you are waiting that God is busy shaping you and making you. God wants us to reach incredible heights in Him, like the bamboo tree in China. Won't you, while you wait, 
Allow the Lord to direct your steps. Allow the Lord to guide you. Allow the Lord to shape your life so that you could reach incredible heights in Him. Where do you stand with Him this morning? How far? How deep? Lee, are you rooted in Him this morning? But secondly then, watch. The word watch from verses 4 to 7 there. During those waiting times, Take on the active role of a watchman. I wait for the Lord, the psalmist says. In Psalm 130, verse 5 and 6. My soul waits, declared the psalmist. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchman for the morning. More than watchman for the morning. In biblical times, watchmen vigilantly guarded the city. They watched for enemies who might, who might attack at night and they waited for the sun to come up. They were alert and obedient. A watchman was alert. They were ready to respond when needed. When called upon, they leaped, jumped, in other words, into action. A watchman knew the difference between his job and God's job. Say, Lord, you've got to do this. And I'm thinking now, can you remember what the Lord said to, to the disciples? Come and watch with me for a, in the garden of Gethsemane. And they fell asleep. Can you remember that? Eh? And they left the Lord to go and pray for a moment. And they should have been watching on the other side, but they were not doing that at all. But watching reminds me that I'm not God. You see, I want to fix things. I want to fix my problems. I want to fix my relationships, my conflicts, my career, my family. Fixing and controlling situations and people. That's what I want to do. Sometimes I've got to watch and see where God is taking this situation. I've got to watch and see what is happening. I've got to be on my guard and alert to what is happening. From time to time, I have to be reminded that I'm not God. I'm glad that I'm not God. I don't know about you. My job is to be a watchman. I need to have a watchman's attitude. A confident and alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. Oh, it's not easy to be a watchman, eh? Watching requires much concentration and endurance. I don't know if anybody here have ever been a security guard. Anybody? Yeah. Ooh, nobody. Eh? Those of us who have been insecure, well, I haven't myself, so I cannot even, you know, but those of us who have been insecure may know what it is like to be on guard duty at night. In the first hour, you may be very fresh and alert. Isn't that true? Looking out carefully for move, any movements or sounds isn't it true? Looking, hearing, you hear every sound. But in the second hour, your mind begins to wander. I know I've done some nights of work. <laughs> your mind begins to wander. Eh? Become less careful because you are distracted from your duty. 
By the third hour, you begin to feel very bored because of the inactivity and it becomes very difficult to concentrate. Three, third hour now, eh? And unless someone comes to take over your guard duty by then, you will probably fall asleep. And here the Lord says to these, these disciples in Matthew 26, this is what I said, could you not watch with me for one hour? And then it says, watch and pray that you, enter not, you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Our Lord Jesus has also commanded us to be watchful until he returns. But unlike the disciples who only received a rebuke, when they found, were found asleep, the consequences of being found asleep when Christ returns will be a lot greater. Can you remember that? The virgins? Was it the ten virgins, huh? Paul now uses this sharp contrast between light and darkness here in verses 4 to 7 to bring out the difference between believers and unbelievers. Light and darkness, we understand that, huh? Are you still waiting and watching for the return of Christ? Or have you fallen asleep? How long will you remain asleep? See, remaining asleep for too long may mean that one is in a coma. Isn't it true? Jelle's Testo van Dagman. Now a comatose patient looks like he is just asleep, isn't it true? He's inactive and unconscious, but he's still alive. Since his heart still beats and he's still breathing. A Christian who is in a comatose state has lost consciousness with God. Did you know that? Has lost consciousness of God in his life. Fabian is too quiet today. He becomes spiritually inactive and is no longer growing in Christ, nor having a close walk with him. They may attend church, but the worst part of it all is that they themselves do not know how serious their condition is. They are sleepwalkers. Can you hear that? They do not feel that anything is wrong with them. Please examine yourself this morning to see if you are in a spiritual coma. I want to challenge us here this morning. Are you in a spiritual coma? Was there a time when you used to be more spiritually responsive? More conscious of God's work in your life? And fervently serving the Lord than you are now? Was there a time when you lived your life more fully for the Lord than you do now? Was there a time when you loved Him much more than you love Him now? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Has your love grown cold because other things have crowded their way into your life? and demands your attention and your time and your affections? Have you been slipping deeper and deeper into spiritual slumber? Those living in darkness are portrayed as sleeping 
and is drunk. Yo, did you hear that? Eh? Sleeping and is drunk. In this case, sleep and drunkenness pictures someone who is not in touch or in control of his or her own life. When we are asleep, we are pretty much out of touch with the world around us. Except for our dreams. Isn't it true? The drunk has lost control of his or her ability to make wise decisions and to coordinate responses. People who do not live in expectation of Christ are likened to sleepers and drunks. <laughs> That's what the Word of God says. Eh? Not really in touch with present reality. Yet where you are as a child of God, not really in touch with present reality. What are we watching? And now we come to the point in the, the next word, the Greek word there that we refer to chronos. Now we go to the word kairos and then we're going to finish here. What are we watching for? We are watch, watching the predicted trends that are happening. Seizing those kairos moments. See, brothers and sisters, kairos has to do with special time. Special moments in time. Moments with the potential determining our destinies. Kairos to, refers to the right moment, the opportune moment, the perfect moment when we take a breath, when we pause, when significant opportunities arise, when remarkable things happen. We watch for those moments. In the New Testament context, Kairos refers to a decisive point, to the appointed time of God, to God's timing or to God's order of things. These are times of significant opportunity. And they are, they are times when remarkable things could happen. And often happens. Kairos. Kairos moments. Lord wants you to seize those Kairos moments. And I thought I would not be through, but I will let me just do the last one and just then let me know we've got it. Verses 8 to 11 speaks about don't grow weary, keep your mind in touch with reality. In other words, this is the first thing mentioned in verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober. A sober mind is always in touch with reality. It is not clouded with distorted perceptions of life, but is able to see all things as God sees them. In contrast to that, a person who gets himself drunk is not sober. His perception of things around him is entirely distorted. Is that where you are as a child of God? You are sad if you could be there. And then it speaks about maintaining your spiritual readiness. The latter part of this it provides a picture of readiness, a picture of a soldier in protective armor, a breastplate as a piece of armor that protects us. And I think of, when I think of a breastplate, it's a piece of armor that protects our chest and our vital organs. The breastplate protected the heart of the soldier. 
Faith and love will protect our hearts from growing cold. I challenge you this morning, fill your life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Give him the supreme place he deserves in your heart. The Greek, be awake and sober means gregario or gregorio. It means that believers must live in a state of spiritual readiness, ready to meet spiritual challenges. The word also, there's another word for it, the word nepho, has to do with self-control, sound judgment, and calculated decisions. See, a helmet will protect our minds against the temptation and lies of the devil. We must keep our minds and lives focused on Christ. Is your mind focused on him? Trust in God's faithfulness. Verses 9 and 10 refers to that. God has not appointed us to wrath but to salvation. God is faithful. He never slumbers or sleeps. No matter what happens, especially at moments when we feel weak and weary of watching and waiting for the return of Christ, the outcome has already been fully decided. And I love the verse in Genesis 41 verse 32 which says the matter has been firmly decided by God. I want to say this, whatever is happening in your life, the matter has been firmly decided by God. Help one another to press on. Verse 11. There's two Greek words again. You probably see the parakaleo. Encourage, urge, press, push, inspire one another. And then the other one is oikodomio. <laughs> Build each other up. It's usually associated with building trades, with the construction. That sort of thing isn't accomplished by a single action, but is a process that requires many actions, creating a design, laying a foundation. So also believers need to engage in an ongoing process of building each other up, encouraging each other, sharing joys and sorrows, offering blessings of various kinds. The help is mutual. When you fall asleep, I must care for you. Enough for you to wake you up. When I get tired and begin to lose alertness, I need your help to stay awake. You see that? That's how we build up one another. He isn't calling them to do something new, but rather to continue a process well begun. The day of the Lord will be, will be coming as a thief in the night. Are you ready? If you are here today and have never received the forgiveness of the Lord, for your sins committed. If you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, the opportunity is here this morning. You to enter into a relationship with Him. Were you able to recognize Him as your Savior? And it's a crucial decision that you could make as you surrender your life, your all, to Him. Don't let this Kairos moment pass you by. 
Don't be left behind. What will be the God moment? The Kairos moment in your life? What will be the groundbreaking moment with God that makes a lasting impact? May this day be that Kairos moment in your life, in my life, as we encounter the Lord for who he really is. Well, I didn't think we would get through this year this morning, but we got through this, eh? Wait. Watch. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Serve him. Do your best for him. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your faithfulness.